and you can live in the day. Welcome back to Man in the Making, everybody. Today's episode is sponsored by Home Chef. You can get meals delivered. No, we don't actually have a sponsor yet. <laughs> but <laughs> I practice. I'm practicing so that when we do get a sponsor, it's like brought to you by Home Chef. Meals delivered to you. <laughs> Everyone's a chef with Home Chef. <laughs> no, no kidding though. We we use um we use Home Chef at night. So I buy it for dinners. So it, it comes on uh, Monday and it's like, do you guys know what home chef is? Yeah. In or a, a delivery system that brings like stuff yeah. like food. Yeah. So we, uh, I don't know, like dinners were getting really weird and it was tiring because of the baby. So <laughs> we got home chef on accident for three weeks. Once <laughs> we, we were like, it went, I think it was a plan to get us to buy it, but it was to some, someone who used to live here, I guess. Oh, nice. And uh, we were like, well, we can't let it go to waste because, you know, we might as well just use it. And so we made Home Chef every night for three weeks and it was pretty awesome. So we ended up getting it and uh, yeah, I don't know. I love it because I can actually cook something and it tastes good. You don't grow your own food, huh? With your experience. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> yeah, we all we all know what happened to the lemon tree. Oh yeah, that was like our first show, right? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with my lemon tree? You gotta water it. <laughs> <laughs> so that lemon tree, I'm looking at it right now, the poor little guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, He's still he's still there. So my neighbor ended up he had pity on me and he waters it every day. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's a saint. Um, <laughs> and he planted uh, snap peas and um, uh, Anaheim peppers and bush bush beans, I think. Nice. Yeah, he's good. He's he's uh, he's got a green thumb. He's also a NASA guy. Nice. Shout out to George. All right. Well, welcome to the show, you two. Thank you. Thanks. We sort of had a have a panel, um, a panel discussion, but one member of the panel it has not arrived yet. But we're gonna start anyway. So we had a we had a few topics lined up for this, didn't we? I don't know about you, Neela, but Jessica and I had some stuff. Okay, cool. <laughs> what did you have? I was just going to see what uh, came of you two. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just going to chime in if I could. Or Yeah. Jess, why don't you, why don't you go ahead and, and say what we were thinking about in our, our discussions? I think you brought up um, emotional intelligence. And then it kind of got me to thinking about experientially, like how that's developed. And then I thought about different books that I've read or different um, experiences. Yeah, different experiences and, and, and how that's built and, and, you know, how we, the environments we grow up in will definitely shape 
uh, how that comes to be in each and every one of us. Emotional intelligence is um, kind of the topic, yeah, that we're going to start out with. And I think it's a neat topic to talk about because not everyone knows what it is. Not everyone has it fully developed and probably will never, not, not everyone will develop it in this lifetime. Definitely. We, we all know uh, plenty of people who um, don't have it and are not going to get it and they're older. And at least I do. Um, and I can recall people i think that's changing but it's not it's not fully uh innate yet so what is what is emotional intelligence to me emotional intelligence is kind of a mixture of um, detachment and responsibility uh, and i actually just gave a lecture on this to uh, a small group of folks at nasa and I explained it with the, the responsibility portion is an ownership of your own um, actions and consequences and detachment, meaning you can let go no matter what. So you can have some level of, of uh, independence or uh, you can act in isolation um, independent of the stimulus. So if there's a person in front of me and they're nuts and they're crazy or whatever, my friend Arthur recently, he, uh, someone threw a chair at his car, some crazy, you know, yeah, Yeah. mentally unstable person outside of a coffee shop. And um, so someone was like, hey, uh, I think someone just threw a chair at your Tesla. So he uh, got outside and, and was like, found the person on the side of the building and was like, why'd you throw a chair at my Tesla? And uh, he's a fairly, you know, chill guy. And he's a Zen mind student and he, he practices meditation and stuff. And the guy just rushed him and punched him in the face. Ooh, wow. And his first reaction was his first reaction had nothing to do with the punch in the face. He was like, he gathered himself quickly and was like, okay, so why, why did you throw a chair at the car? <laughs> I'm just curious as to, is everything okay? And, um, you know, only, only a few minutes later did he say, okay, so why also did you, did you punch me? So he was calm the whole time, didn't fight back. He was just like, all right, you know, I can see you're not fully put together, but no more punches. You know, we're not going to do that. Um, and the guy, given that Arthur was emotionally intelligent and was not, you know, angry or anything like that, but calm, given that the guy wasn't going to repeat the thing. Now, I don't recommend people repeatedly get hit in the face by a blunt object, but um, it was obvious like it was a one off and he backed up. And his behavior, the guy's behavior kind of frightened him. And so Arthur saw that and, and was not, did not feel, um, we'll have him on the show to talk about it, but he didn't feel threatened. He was just like, okay, that was some kind of defensive mechanism. I get it. Created distance between them and then continued the conversation. 
And so the guy was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, that was just like a first reaction. Um, Someone had called the cops inside the coffee shop, which we will not name until they become a sponsor of ours. And, um, you know, the cops came and the guy ran and whatever. So to me, Arthur acted emotionally intelligent. There was a stimulus. And his response was uh, uh, pretty much independent of what had just happened. So he de-escalated the situation because he did not. Um, it wasn't like, it t- you know, uh, Neil, I remember like it takes two kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't become that that one, the part of the equation. So there wasn't two aggressors. There was just one. And it de-escalated. So to me, that's emotional intelligence. And, and uh, I think Arthur had some sense of responsibility, which we talked about it shortly after it happened. And he was like, you know, yeah, I approached him. Like I approached a, a crazy homeless person. That, that was my, you know, my fault. So there's that sense of responsibility and then the sense of detachment. And I think that's what created it. And he didn't understand it at the time. He's like, he's like, do you even know why? Like I acted so calmly. I don't know why. So I, I, I explained some things about super consciousness and how, you know, he's been studying meditation in Shum for some time now. And uh, he's probably able to attain some level of um, super consciousness where, where the punch isn't that big of a deal. Uh, what's more important is like the matter at hand. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that kind of ties in my definition. And Jess, you had some, said something online to like a similar effect maybe. And I was like, oh, we're, we're talking the same language. I like this. And I'm going to try to find it. I probably won't find it, but <laughs> say something while I'm looking for it. I would... You know, um, one thing that comes to mind when I think of emotional intelligence is empathy. Um, And that's the ability to understand others walking in their shoes, possibly where they're coming from. So our ability to read one another and read into situations. And, and, you know, sometimes that comes from, um, you know, the ability to read into ourselves from from past circumstances or it's just and for some people it's just it's like this innate thing that we have where we can kind of sense and feel each other and I think some people have it more naturally and other people have to work on developing it and you know it's like this sense of you know like your friend had this automatic response that that like oh I can see that there might be something that's not quite right with this other person. So I'm not going to just react, you know, Mm. uh, to, you know, it's like fighting fire with fire. Um, Some people just need to be listened to. Um, I don't know. I I feel like uh, empathy is a big part of um, emotional intelligence as well. I like that. I like that. I found, I found the example. Do you want to give the example of uh, what you were saying on Facebook, the, Oh, what did Ep- I say? <laughs> you were watching, you and Neela were watching an episode of The Office. Great oh, show. yes, Great. that one. Okay, where, where Pam, like out of the blue, she, um, nobody was listening to her. And so she decided she was going to do this uh, while everybody else was off talking. She decided to do the, the walk across the hot coals all by herself. And 
she did that faced some fear and then she decided after that she was just going to go and tell everybody in the office how she had been feeling for so long and all these things that she bottled up and yeah it like Neil and I started talking about that how so few people are really afraid to say how they truly feel and most of the time that comes out of uh, a fear of you know being judged by people like oh if I share my authentic self with another person uh is it going to come back in the form of like now am I going to feel ashamed of myself for saying that and you know it, it made me realize how afraid we are of of being re- rejected yeah. like I think like the core of it is fear and the core of it is well rejection is fear right so we we fear being rejected by other people yeah so because of that fear we very often don't share how we we truly feel you know and if you were to ask anybody on the street like oh what's your greatest fear people would be like oh i'm afraid of heights or I'm afraid I'm not going to get this job or, you know, but most people don't sit and reflect on how, how much we are afraid of rejection and how much like what people do out there is to get preferential treatment or to be liked, to be desired, you know, and, and I think people do it more often than they'd like to admit or more often than they know. So it just kind of, that whole episode just sparked that conversation. Well, I think that's emotional intelligence as well. Uh, Being able to express yourself the way you really are, um, you know, given given an appropriate response to a good context, you know, the situation where it allows it, you don't want to like, you don't need to go to a bank and kind of like express who you are. In the exactly. of the bank. <laughs> Everyone's just trying to get their money and go, but, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I see, I see that a lot. And I think it's refreshing when you do speak your mind and explain to people in a, in a, in an appropriate situation, how you really feel, who you really are because of your feelings and kind of, I guess it, yeah, these days it'll push people away. I think that's a good segue. Uh, Marcus just joined us. And, hey, guys, uh, how are you? Hey, Marcus. Hi, Marcus. Hello, Marcus. <laughs> Marcus is nice uh, to see you guys. first time on the show here. I am a first-timer. <laughs> first-time caller, long-time listener. Um, a big fan, by the way. <laughs> Marcus brought a topic as well that we were going to bring to the panel. And part of it was was speaking freely, right? So yes. you, you came in and we were um, talking about uh, emotional intelligence. That was kind of the first thing we were kind of cover on the show. And, and that sort saying, of correlates too. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. Uh, when, when, when Jess was explaining that, it kind of hit me that we could tie those two together. So do you, have you ever, Marcus, does emotional intelligence, does that word or phrase ever come up in your reflections or is that, should we, did you miss the first part of that? And, and should we break it down real quick again? Uh, well, I, I came in late, but it absolutely does. Ah. Uh, one of the most uh, intelligent things I, I've been able to realize in a, as an adult is uh, 
my ability to lie to myself. Ooh. And it, it took me a long time to figure out how easy it is to fall into your own traps. Mm-hmm. So I thought free speech was a, was a good topic. And uh, right next to that truth, because um, it's, it's hard to be truthful with yourself. It's, it's, it's easy to lie to other people, but it's even easier to lie to yourself because, well, emotional intelligence. It, right. it it's, uh, takes a, a, a big person or, 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 or a lot of intelligence to realize what you're, what you're doing. Yeah, so it's almost like we're, we're naturally emotional dum-dums. And as we get smarter, it kind of like reveals more about ourselves and there's a certain sense of intelligence there, maybe, as we uh, get more wise. It's a, a lot of self-inquiry, you know? It's, it's self-inquiry, too. Like, that's how you start getting to those, those little hidden aspects and, and revealing new things, new bits of information about ourselves that we didn't know before, right? Hmm. Like, you can Absolutely. look at past things that you've done in the past, and it's so easy to say like, oh, knowing what I know now, I never would have done that. But you weren't, you know, who you are now and you don't have the realizations that you have now. And I think, I don't know, just coming from the situation, I, I, I came through going through a great deal of trauma as a child. I, we do a really good job of like self-protection and self-preservation and I think belief structures can fall into that too. Um, And that's why I find self-inquiry to be so important. Like always questioning, why do I believe what I believe? How did I get to that place? And when you start inquiring, that's where that self-honesty that you're talking about comes from, in my opinion. I think like that's how I'm discovering more about myself all the time is instead of being so rigid in my belief systems, I'm starting to like piece that out and be like, well, why do I believe that? And with that comes that self-honesty and, and, you know, breaking through those molds. And then you have the, I think sometimes, Oh, go ahead, Marcus. I was just going to say sometimes that's, that might even be a, a, a defense mechanism. To protect yourself from yourself sometimes. Yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. I was just gonna say because yeah. because if we're afraid of judgment, what happens when we have to judge ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> and we're the judge and the jury and the executioner. Yeah. Um oh, I lost that next part. What I was gonna say. <laughs> Keep going, Marcus. Oh, well, um I don't know how much farther <laughs> I can go, but uh it took me 30, 30 good years to realize how easy it was to fall into uh, a cycle you really can't get out of. And cognitive dissonance. So yes. Cognitive dissonance is uh, my train of thought. Um, you know, you find out the truth about something you've been believing in and still uh, you lie to yourself so that you still believe in that narrative. And so you still have, have that truth, but, but all along it's like, it's false. It's not real or it's been proven wrong. No one's blaming you. You're welcome to come over to the other side of truth, but you hold on to it. And, and I think I told this story a long time ago, 
uh, where I had some cognitive dissonance. It, it, and it started out as a joke, but it really evolved into uh, serious ignorance. I think one, it was a, it was a, it was the show, uh, the show. Rokas, do you remember when I was it the, the States? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was arguing about the, the 50 or 51 States. <laughs> so you have to go back in the show to listen to that, but there's a, you know, the truth was revealed to me and yet I was like, no, no, that's not accurate. You know? So it's the ability to ally to ourselves in order to hold the same narrative. Um, it's so funny when we talk about stuff like that on the show. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, all right, have we talked about this before? You know, are we all talking to each other like for a reason? And then I, and then I get a phone call from someone and they're just like, they have all these problems and it's like one after one, it's like lack of emotional intelligence. They're lying to themselves. They want, don't want to be judged by themselves. And it's all these things coming up and we, and it, it's so relevant. I, it, it's funny how we forget how relevant all this stuff is. I mean, Jess, you don't, I mean, you talk about it on Facebook openly. So I don't know. I see that kind of stuff and I'm like, that's good. That's, that's the point. Um, I don't know. Um, a lot is as far as cognitive distortion. Uh, is reasoning from conclusion. And people want to believe what they believe, and then they'll do a thing you love. And if you believe um, there Marcus, are more than sorry enough to resources. Cut you off. Your connection is uh, cutting off what you're uh, saying, so I can't understand. Uh, mm. Sorry. I was mentioning uh, reason through conclusion. Um, Could you and, repeat and that was, again, sorry? Reasoning from conclusion. Yeah, reasoning from conclusion. Um, like if you want to believe the earth is flat, there are plenty of resources to help you convince yourself that the earth is flat. Although I think all of us, it's very much ruined. Um, I was, that, that's interesting. Uh, I wonder if I, is anyone here a flat earther? Oh, God, no. I mean, I get into some conspiracies, but <laughs> I wonder if, if I don't know, I consider myself, you know, having the ability to have a conversation with almost anyone, but I don't know. I don't know if I would care enough to really talk to a flat earther about that. <laughs> <laughs> like Marcus, I think when I got in your car the other day, in uh, the great uh, city of Detroit. Um, I was like, we started to talk about something and I was like, yeah, I don't really look into it like that. And then we like moved on to another subject. So I don't, I don't always have the interest. And even like on Twitter, someone will say something and I'll be like, uh, I'll be like, nah, I don't know if that's true or not. And then they'll come back with a, something and I'll be like, you know, I, I'm like already don't care about this conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry for starting. <laughs> Um, I don't know. More power to you if you think the earth is flat. Uh, but yeah, there's so much uh, evidence against it. Uh, you know, I understand a- that though. Like, I've, I've been in places where I've wanted to believe something so much 
that you'll like look anywhere for any sort of proof of that thing to to happen. Yeah. You know, like, and, and then that's where, that's where it comes back to checking your, checking your, your belief systems again. Like, why is it that I want for this thing to be real so badly that I'm trying to create it, create it out of anywhere? Yeah. I mean, the, you know, this is controversial, but, but I talked uh, a few people now I've had clients that are having problems with their spouse because one spouse is um, pro conspiracy anti-vaccine. So the combination of that is uh, deadly to a relationship. If, if one is pro vaccine and, and pro mainstream media and the other one is pro conspiracy and anti-vaccine. And by conspiracy, I mean alternative news sources. Um, and you can go down a rabbit hole with that. Yeah. So we so so there's you know one of my clients, his wife you know believes in the microchip theory that the vaccine has a microchip in it. Um, you know, and it's like this whole thing is causing people to be at serious ends with each other. Luckily, I could pro- we could probably all get along with a flat earther. <laughs> like <they> would- <laughs> Unless we were on a boat somewhere, uh, then it would be like they'd be like, we're reaching the end. Or what do they believe? Do you? <laughs> Can, can you reach? I think the- it's because it comes into that, like the the grand scheme of we are being lied to. Information is being being manipulated, and let me tell you, I got really into conspiracy theories like a couple decades ago in my early twenties. I got so into it, and I think part of it was <laughs> like I grew up having to like keep a secret and live like this lie, you know, like oh, there's all this stuff going on on this part of my life but nobody knows it so i just naturally started thinking about the world in a different way like oh there are people that have uniforms on or there are politicians and how do we know that they're telling the truth and i just started pulling at these little strings and and looking into all these different conspiracies before it was hijacked by the way now the conspiracy movement's getting a bad a bad bad (laughs) There are real serious researchers. Uh, Anyway, I think a lot of it for me is I started going down all these rabbit holes and like, oh, we're being lied to here. We're being lied to here. People don't know the truth of what's going on. And you can go to some really dark places when you start doing that because ultimately there, there probably is truth to some of those things, but if you get so married to it, it, it it's not healthy um, because yeah, just like the guy next door could be a child molester. So, so could the, the guy with the suit and tie that has a lot of money. Like there can be people from all walks of life that are doing things behind closed doors that is, is not good ultimately. But like sitting there and freaking out about it all day is not going to change anything. Like that's a conclusion that that I, I came to is like, OK, we all know 
that darkness exists in many different corners of the world, but me sitting here and worrying about it all day or like, you know, getting into conspiracies isn't going to help unless I have like that truth in front of me ultimately, you know? So I had to get myself out of that and start looking at the good in things because how are we going to transform? We're, we're not going to transform by worrying about this conspiracy or that cons conspiracy. Like that time will come, like truths will come out, but work on yourself, you know, like that's how we'll change quicker. It's just by trying to be a better person and, and like showing love to other individuals out there as much as humanly possible. But to sit in your house all day, worrying about whether a certain conspiracy is true, it, it's, it's not going to be healthy for anyone, you know, but I think it ultimately comes down to like that feeling that we're being lied to a feeling that you're being manipulated and I think there is that that deep-seated like wanting to know like I think in the core of everybody we, we want to know like like these large truths like well, where do we come from and ask all these big questions but you know I think Neil has taught me a lot of this too is like sometimes you just gotta like lay that stuff to rest and just like work on being a human being like you're here in this human body like just like lay those big questions to rest and, and just work on being simple and the simplicity. So that's where he's helped to balance me out a lot. Mm. You know, I don't know. I just went on a rant there, but <laughs> that was good. I feel like Marcus is, is about to, to pop in though. Um, well, I wondered how much of lies that we, we like to observe. Um, and I mean, can when you, Marcus, can you, um, can you pop out and pop in again to fix your connection? So just just rejoin. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's we'll pick up on that when Marcus gets back. But but one of the things that came to me is 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 like I have I have the clients come to me with a problem and and I may not be of the same viewpoint, and they don't have they don't have to know that. Like we can have an entire conversation. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm listening to them and I'm helping them with their issue. All the while, I, I have a completely different view. Like the one client with the pro-vaccine and anti-vaccine wife, I'm, I'm not going to get the vaccine unless I have to. But that's, that has nothing to do with the conversation. You think and that I, comes from your, you and like Neela with your training under, you know, being monks? Like you get, you, you both talk about detachment a lot yeah. and um, being able to be detached from those sort of, you know, dilemmas and issues. Do you think that's why that is? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I think it's emotional intelligence. I think it's, it's, it's the famous quote. Um, I think it's by Aristotle or Plato probably. Uh, you can entertain a thought without, um, believing in it without without worshiping the thought and, and making it your own but you can entertain it you can bring up the idea so i can have a conversation with a pro biden person and um we don't have to really get into an argument even though i'm not pro biden it, it, it doesn't matter i can still listen to them and mm -hmm. i only respond usually when they they ask me a question 
when they say, oh, so what do you think? And then that, that, then I softly kind of feel it out and everything. But um, I think a, a lot of people don't have that ability, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, touchy subjects and stuff like that. But like with the, with the, with a, with a pro, you know, conspiracy anti-vax person with the microchip and everything, like you said, my response is, well, we can't really do anything with that if we don't have solid proof. And if, and if, if you're afraid of a, a passport vaccine, a vaccine passport, and you can't travel unless you get the vaccine or whatever, that's a valid concern if it becomes true. But right now, that's not the case. I just traveled. I, you can travel right now to, to certain places and no one bothers you about any kind of vaccine thing. And there's no two rules. There's not a rule for vax. There's not a rule for anti. It just does. It, it's not a thing. So to to have all these speculations, I think that's when it's a problem. When it's an actual thing going on, like your taxes, your taxes go up or something. Then we have something that we can like fight back against because it happened. There was an increase from twenty. 20 to 21 or whatever you know i'm just giving an example it's probably not accurate but um that's actually something you can work with because there's data to show that it happened but if you're afraid you know there or if you're arguing with someone about a vaccine passport there's no conclusion because there is no vaccine passport if it's just a conversation it's like there's conversations every day that that don't come to fruition um especially ones that come out of, for example, the president's mouth, he was going to spike taxes the other day and the stock market crashed because of it. But it's just, it's just a conversation. Like it doesn't mean that what he says actually goes through to law. He doesn't have that power. So, but if it does go through, well then like you can vote about it and, and use that as an argument. But right now it's just speculation. Yeah. And we do that in our own minds too, you know, like, we will sit there and go on a rant about what we think might happen in the future with yeah. our lives, you know? We, we do that internally as well. Right. You know? Not outwardly, but inwardly. Like, oh, what if this happens? And then you go on this whole rant in your mind and you come up with this whole story. But that, you know, it even goes back to what I was telling you about when I got really into conspiracies. Like, how at some point you just like, oh, like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I going on this rant? And like pulling yourself inward and being like, okay, we now we need to stop. We need to just stop this because this has not come to fruition. I don't know if this is even a truth. I'm just making up fallacies in my mind. Right. And that's where neuro uh, NLP comes in, neuro-linguistic programming. It's, it's like this practice or this technique to listen to someone to, uh, to see if they're talking about real things or if they're just manufactured in their mind. And, and if someone starts talking about, uh, they have three class classifications like deletions, uh, distortions and generalizations in someone's language. And uh, if you're talking about something, uh, you have to make sure that it's a real thing um, and there's or there's evidence to point to it. I'm all for alternative news, obviously. I, I'm all for like a good old conspiracy any day of the week. 
Um, but if there's no, if there's no action behind it, it, it becomes, I think it, it, it does, it's not very useful. Like the world can be flat. That'd be fine. Right. Um, the, the fact that the world is round or flat, the shape of the world doesn't change my day at all one bit. It could be flat right now. It doesn't matter. I'm still going to, um, I'm still going to like go have a beer at the end of the day. It doesn't matter. And, and, you know, until like I'm on a plane and I see like a, like a rubber seal at the end of the world and like we're in a dome until that happens, like my world still goes along just as it does. And I can still do jujitsu and things like that. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, Marcus, did your connection get better? If you think without the video, it might be better. I'm hoping, I'm hoping so. That's much better. All right. Fantastic. And as far as the Vax port, I'm not sure how much of this is true, but I do believe there are portions of New York, maybe uh, the state or the city that have instituted uh, a, a Vax port. Um, and I know the Biden administration was talking about it briefly, but I, I think they quickly learned that that's not going to be good for re-election. Mm -hmm. so they backed away from it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And the, the microchips. Uh, yeah, I've, I've gone down that conspiracy road as well. Uh, and I do know that Microsoft or Bill Gates does have patents for things like um, mining cryptocurrency using your own body's thermal energy. Mm -hmm. and, and they are implants that, uh, that you can volunteer for. But as far as them putting, you know, nanotechnology inside of a vaccine, again, that's like a reasoning from conclusion. I think you want to believe that right. there's uh, forces out there that want to, well, I don't know, control you or I'm not sure what the motivation is to to believe that but so if 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 i can keep some of the crypto that's mine i will sign up for that program right now. <laughs> <laughs> like you can use the heat from my brain that would be awesome just give me i always tell people like i'll be the first person to sign up when i can put my credit card in, in my finger i'm totally down for that technology <laughs> i love technology if i, I think it's coming <laughs> if I can go somewhere and like my driver's license is on my index finger, credit card is in the middle finger, social security number is in the ring finger. Totally. <laughs> I'm ready to be like half cyborg because <laughs> I can, my life will get easier. My life will get so much easier. I won't have to carry around five cards. My God, I'm ready for that. But then if it's in my finger, like they'll track me. It's like, fine. Uh, they can see like how good I'm getting at jujitsu. <laughs> now, as long as they're like, they don't like control my thoughts. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> if I were 50, I would get the vaccine for sure. If I were 50 years old or older. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
That's got nothing to do with anyone here. Com- present company excluded. Because um, I, I think I've seen enough data on the ages. And uh, I like my chances at my age category, given my, my health. Um, but if I was older, you know, the data doesn't look good for, for what is it like 70 and up or 65 and up or something. So, I mean, I can respect a much higher risk category. Yeah. It's a higher risk category. Now I don't understand why that's so such a contentious argument. I don't understand why that is the problem. Joe Rogan just got in trouble for saying something like that. Right. How young people don't need it. Right. And then I think, um, Fauci, he later came out, well, if those people don't get vaccinated, the idea is they can spread it to older people. And that's the motivation for the young people to become vaccinated. But if the old people get vaccinated, aren't they protected? I would assume so. From the young people, from the young crazies? It's it's still not conclusive uh, whether or not if you get the vaccine, if it's like how much that person can spread it. But I mean, if you if we get to like the core of why this is so hard to discuss, it, it's getting back to like one of our, our like emotional intelligence. Yeah, because it's getting nerve wracking to even ask questions about it now, which I think is when we're at a point where you don't even feel comfortable asking questions or having an open mind about something that's where things in my opinion get scary like I have a fair amount of very liberal friends and I like to I like to question things you know and well well is this good do we have all the facts um you know part of me thinks um are is information being manipulated in favor of uh you know big pharma's got a lot of money uh you know there there are entities out there that when they when you have a lot of money you can also manipulate information in your favor as well right and and people forget that you know they they just buy everything they hear yeah yeah because it sounds like it's coming from a, a great source so I'm not saying yes or no to either, but what I want I want is healthy discussion and, and not getting married to one side or the other. And I feel like I'm very much in between because I, I don't feel like I've been offered, you know, we haven't been offered like full evidence, you know, uh, but even just having this discussion has become so contentious and it's become contentious because we're so married to our belief systems. Yeah. So you got one group that thinks, oh, our freedoms and our liberties are being taken away. So they're scared. And you got one group that thinks we're all going to die from this virus. And if you don't get it, you're being disrespectful to everyone else. And it's like you almost as a, someone in between, you feel like you just can't say anything to anybody without these heavy triggers going off. Mm-hmm. It's like we can't even have these discussions, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I don't know. It just comes down to like, why do I believe this? Am, am I believing everything that's being put out in front of me? I think it's healthy to question. I don't think it's good to like over question. I've been there, but I think it's healthy to question. I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. I mean, I went down, 
I got really into politics when Trump was in office because he kind of made it fun. Like he made it approachable. And for the first time, I felt like, oh, maybe there's like uh, like a real person in office and not like like just a politician. You know, I, I had that feeling. So I was interested in what he was saying and the policies and everything. And, and honestly, other than like character, you know, morals and, and things like that, that didn't have to do with the seat of, in the house. I was kind of like impressed by all the things he was doing and his, his party was doing. So I don't know. I mean, and, and, I, and I talked to level-headed people all the time that didn't vote for him and, and is pro Biden, but they're like, yeah, um, you can't, you can't knock like the, the things that were going on. I mean, it was like pretty impressive. <laughs> Those are very dangerous words. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it just depends on who you're talking to. And, and I think emotional intelligence is, is now that I think about it, it's probably not very common. Whenever the tr uh, the subject of Trump comes up, I always like to quote um, something called Dunbar's number. He was a psychologist, and Dunbar's number is a suggestive cognitive limit to how many people that you can keep track of and and have relationships with, and then know. I've heard of that. How they relate to each other, and it's typically about 150, probably more for women because they're more intelligent than we are. Well, um, God, what? emotionally intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> but when when we think about the president, <clears throat> I think it's a pretty selfish idea that he's going going to be able to have compassion for me as an individual. And and Trump, he he uh, ran the presidency like a businessman, not not a very empathetic person. And, and I did agree with a lot of his policies, but uh, um, the attitude that he created wasn't exactly healthy for this country either. But again, uh, his policies were, were something that I would vote for again, for sure. Yeah, it's a tough argument because you're, I, I agree, um, you know, like, do you, does the president have to act a certain way? Yeah, probably but I don't know. America's kind of a tough country. I mean, I don't know. It's the greatest experiment in the world. So, to have a president who's kind of like crass and, and, and upfront and honest. And, I mean, I don't know. Kind of defines the country to me. He looked to me, I, I looked at him like an archetype, right? Yeah. If you want to look at things in like these bigger wavelengths and, and pictures. Um, he is a, a representation of, of corporate America in a lot of ways, in a lot of senses. Yeah. And if you look at him as an archetype, you can see why, like what he said rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Like I, you know, I, I didn't like a good portion of what he said, nor did a lot of people. And he represents, you know, a lot of the, the corporate greed and, and just looking at, at the, you know, selling off the, the country piecemeal, you know, and there are people that like, 
another portion of what he represented. Like, so he was an archetype to a lot of different people. He represented a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And it just so happened to come at this point in time so that we can make these changes socially. Whether people liked what he represented or not, it kicked up exactly what it needed to in the, in the collective. You know, like here we are right now. Yeah. Like, let's take a look at this. Like he, you know, it's like bringing out all the shadows. Yeah. Kind of like the, you know, like the Black Lives Matter movement. You could say that, you know, it brought up a lot of the stuff that was never really publicly discussed. Um, you know, civil rights movement only just occurred in, what, 1960? And so it was like, oh, here are your freedoms. And then like, just shut up about everything. You know, it was showing like, there's still all these shadows. There's all these things that we've never publicly discussed. So I, I almost compare like what's happening socially to like my own growth as a human being. You know, you, you, you get to a point where you like, you can only ignore the stuff that's going wrong under the surface for so long. And at some point it's going to start popping up in different ways, shape or form for us all to deal with, you know? So, well, is, is, I think that that's, that's giving too much credence, credence to uh, social uh, society. In other words, I'm not a big fan of uh, society. I don't trust society that much. I trust the individual. Oh yeah, for sure. So is the things that are coming up, in society a factor of of what's going on between you and your neighbor or is it a manipulated uh 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 you know is it just some kind of piece of information that's been manipulated and and ballooned or you know so it, it i trust the conversation i have with with real people you know on it from a on a face-to-face basis and um I don't know. I don't know if I if I believe in anything that that goes on in a large scale. All right. Yeah, I, I just I kind of get a little bit into like a microcosm macrocosm sort of a thing, you know, like, yeah. like, you know, what's happening happening in the, the collective, you know, these different wavelengths that we go through. Yeah. And I think change. And- I agree. Yeah, I, I, I like how you put that. You're right. Th- those are the right words to use. Um, and I think uh, that's where a mystic is different than an activist or uh, an adventurer and an explorer. I think a mystic um, has clearly set himself a separate, uh, isolated himself or herself from the, the collective because the collective to a mystic is the thing that is toxic. It is the suffering that we know of as the human condition. And the collective is simply a represent, representation or an expression or manifestation of the mind. And, and that doesn't jive well with the mystic. Like the mystic is back away from all that and just watches it all. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's uh, I guess that's why Socrates was killed, like, and asked to drink poison was because he was a mystic and he was just trying to kind of tell people that their collective was kind of skewed and they thought they knew more than they did. Yeah. And, pe- and people were upset about that. 
I don't know. I have I have to say though that your your dog there is like one of the cutest dogs mm-hmm. I've ever seen. The way he looks at you or she <laughs> is just it's like love in her eyes. Is it yeah. your she? Sorry, it's a she. A she. Yeah, it looks like a she. Yeah. Yeah. Just pure love. Yeah, she's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. She's a she's a big baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's the most emotionally intelligent of us all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, actually a true statement. Dogs are very emotionally intelligent. Yeah. And you yeah. people can learn a lot from dogs in terms of social interaction. Yeah, she can tell if you're if you're like just feeling a little contentious or if you're a little off, she like she knows it instantly instantly and she's just like they're like oh hey what's wrong you know <laughs> yeah she's a little sack of potatoes <laughs> raj. <laughs> raj i have a question yeah would you say it's accurate that uh, a, a mystic focuses on the individual versus oh, yeah. uh, society yeah well yes are you asking that to ask another question I only think that both of those things are very true. Um, I've been in like-minded crowds. Uh, I've, you know, I've been to a political rally and it's, it's almost a, like um, an out of body experience to be around people, a a large group of people who think or feel the same way. Yeah. Um, It was, it was a very powerful thing to be a, a part of and, and as important as it, as I think it is to focus on the individual, I think it would be uh, misguided to think that um, on a social level, we're also all connected. There's a, there's a commentator, maybe you can name him, who says facts don't care about your feelings. Uh, but recently I heard a sort of a rebuttal that feelings don't care about your facts. And I think both of those things are very true. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. For sure. So it's interesting to think that um, Plato or Socrates was, uh, I guess, more focused inwards than than out. Well, you have to read the Republic to see the other side of Socrates, where um, he did envision a perfect society. But it's a catch-22, like the statement you were just reversing. The idea behind perfection in the individual is a perfect society because every individual right is is emotionally intelligent so if society were if if every individual is a certain way society reflects right that greater whole so like like jessica is saying right the the collective is a is a manifestation of what's going on like the issues of our day and i'm not saying they're wrong yeah, I'm just saying, like, that's kind of what you see underlying, right? That's what's going on in the yeah, day. And for, and for though to, like, move to those next levels, right? Like, wh- even within yourself, when you need to move on to those next levels and make more peace in yourself, you have to own up to, like, your, your bitterness, your anger, your, like, you know, start, like, seeing that they're there and learning how to nurture those things and express those things in it. You know, at first they might come out in an unhealthy manner in some people, like anger. Like before you learn to control, they can be real explosive. You know, I still have little bouts with that, right? And I feel like that's kind of what you see happening is like these bouts of anger, but like on a mass scale. Yeah, and you have to decide 
Yeah. And like, now you get to see it's here. So like, oh, okay. So we all see it's here. Now, what can we start doing to, to heal this on a, like a collective level? Well, you know? and you, that's where, that's the decision that every person has to make is how much interaction uh, do you, do you want to have with it? Right. So the, the, what I try to help people with is you don't have to engage as much as you think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and if you want to engage, God bless you, like, go for it. That's your, that's your deal. Go to the rally, like go and, and put up signs and try to change and, and be the change you want to see, whatever. Or I, I suggest there's an alternative route to happiness for people. And it's to turn off everything that's going on in the collective and to not focus on it and to focus on yourself, your family, um, what you're doing and make that as good as it can be. Like if you want to, uh, you know, be an activist for, for black lives matter. Well, you should probably go around and treat everyone you interact with, with, uh, equality. Yeah. Right. Like that'd be a pretty good place to start. Or you could like go to a crowd and like chant and raise signs and yell and tell people what's going on. It's like you can do either one or you can do both. But I recommend um, the individual, the individualistic path before the the activist path for peace of mind, I guess. But it's a it's a progression like. We all have to be the activist at some point. Yeah. And we, we kind of, I think maybe we, we evolve and, and become the individual eventually. Yeah. You, and you get to a point where you see, you know, like I, I can sit back and I can watch that happen. And I know that, you know, a lot of what you're seeing is fighting fire with fire, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to sit and, and get aggravated at individuals for, for, having a different point of view or feeling a certain way, like to combat against someone that is against what you believe is only going to make their intensity grow. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I'd like to give this example. Do you think like the KKK, just for an example, would they enjoy going out and protesting if no one showed up to counteract their protest? They wouldn't have as much fun, would they? You know, like if, if nobody showed up to counteract their protest, it'd just be a silent march for them. Yeah. You know, but it's like fighting fire with fire when we go out to counteract that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I, I'm like you, I'm just kind of in a way, just sitting back watching these things happen and just kind of working on me here, you know? Right. To circle all, all of that back to free speech. I think one of the most powerful things you can do for uh, somebody's perspective is try to silence them, to try to take uh, the microphone away. Yeah. It actually gives them a larger microphone. Yeah. Yep. It's, a, it's a tough position. Um, it, it's difficult and it's easy at the same time. Uh, because for the mystic, you have to have difficult conversations with people, but at the same time, you know, it's one of the most peaceful routes you can take. It's like, leave me alone. Uh, you have to have conversations like, okay, let's say there's a microchip in the vaccine. You know, the mystic is like, okay, great. Yeah. What do you want me to do about it? Like, 
don't get the vaccine then, or, you know, learn how to live with the microchip. Like it, there's all these things going on and, and the mystic has to decide, you know, is it worth, is it worth your attention? Because that's how much they value their energy or their, you know, their awareness. So Neela, I'm curious to, to hear what you think about, like, have you been able to, do you still consider yourself a mystic or do you feel like you're evolving or changing? I think I'm certainly evolving uh, because like we talked about in the last, or the last uh, podcast that I did with you, I'm trying to get back to God and it's, it's really hard or it's, I shouldn't say it's hard. It's um, a little bit more, well, yeah, a little bit more challenging out here because there's so many other um, learning experiences than being in like a closed situation, right? So I'm actually, I was just, I'm just through listening to all this conversation. It's, it, listening to things like this helps me like evolve, you know, yeah. as far as like, like, for instance, like I don't care about politics. I, I don't care like at all. And this is just my opinion. And I know like there's different views and I respect both sides. Right. Um, so I listen to both sides and I don't ever talk about it to anybody about what my opinion is. Um, is that right? I, I don't know. But for me, it's helping me because it's, it's helping me understand like humans more you know yeah that's uh, the perspective of the mystic for sure yeah um so i think on a daily basis even like you know like i was i've said before you know i had like bouts with like anger and stuff and it's on a daily basis i, I i'm seeing myself being less reactive and more like self-reflective and trying to nip it in the bud to um correct it and be a better person and to not react or if i do in a more positive way like your your friend did uh with your story earlier long-winded answer here yeah i think no, I, that's a good that's a good answer <laughs> no that's that's clear but but what what that reminds me of is like i can see the argument forming in other in listeners where you could say well does the mystic just allow anything to go on does arthur allow the punches to keep coming you know and and the answer is no right we're not pacifists no a mystic is not a pacifist so uh, uh, uh am i saying that right pacifist pacifist so anyway. to me that's a that's an ideology where uh you would just allow any uh uh so, so, any onslaught to happen, no matter the severity. I believe the mystic has a, um, has a meter, like a gauge on how far they let something go, mm -hmm. but they're not dumb mm -hmm. and they're not um, weak and they're not passive aggressive. Passive aggressive implies that in, or infers that you, um, you were affected by something, but you, you lack the will to actually say something about it um, yeah. directly. It's an indirect kind of grievance. So um, you, 
I mean, I would face a situation head on if I need to. I think I, and I, and I try, and I try to always come back to that because people are listening and I can tell you, I'll get 10 emails if I don't include this part, because it's like, well, am I number one, am I supposed to let my, my spouse keep attacking me? That's the number one thing I get. Yeah. Um, am I supposed to let so-and-so keep taking advantage of me? Am I supposed blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, like, responsibility, detachment, emotional intelligence, mysticism, spirituality, none of that implies that you're, you're supposed to be attacked repeatedly. Yeah. Has to be a course correction at some point. Yeah. Guru David explained it too, but he would say it's like, it's like having wisdom in action, right? Like, like if you see like somebody beating their child on a, on a street, like you're not just going to like walk away and be like, Oh, that doesn't concern me. Right. 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 You know, you want to say something. Um, well, if it were me, if it was like serious, I'd, I'd get violent. I'm not against violence. Well, yeah, you would do something about it, but there's also situations where like, you don't want to do anything about it. Like if you see two grown men, like drunk. Like, oh, Somewhere Perfect. like in a parking lot, like fist fighting, like you're not oh, going to. That's on them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like wisdom in action. Like, yeah, you see, yeah, they shouldn't be beating each other in a parking lot, but it's like there's no way in hell you're going to go over there and like. Well, and I saw that recently at a at a uh like a Target Super Center, <laughs> like a Walmart. <laughs> I'll never go back, but. It, yeah. There was these guys in the in the parking lot de- having an argument, and they were they were close to fighting. And I was just like, "Oh, I'm getting out of here." But yep. if it was like if it was like two, you know, two little kids or something, or an adult and a kid or something, so that's why I like it. Kind of comes back to everyone is on this evolutionary scale, but we we touch into all aspects of um, of um, what's what Jessica? What's the word you used um, for Trump? Uh, well, like an archetype. Uh, we all we 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 become different archetypes. Like sometimes we're the activist if we need to be, or other times we're the mystic if we if we have that privilege, or other times we're the teacher, other times we're the student. Blah 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 blah. Right? Like we're everything, all the time. It just depends on on the situation, if it's appropriate. I think a lot of it's getting out of reactionary modes too. You know, becoming aware enough where you're not so reactionary. I think one of the, the things I brought up to you uh, when we were messaging about this topic was how people grow up and say somebody grew up in an environment where they had to be in protective mode all the time. You carry that in your body. So that individual is going to be consistently reactive, right? Like I, I've had to tease that out of myself. Yeah. Like what is true emotional intelligence What's my true intuition and what was just a knee-jerk reaction based off of old circumstances? That's been one of the hardest things for me to, to learn how to tease away from mm. is what's been left over and having to rewire all of that old stuff. And I've been learning more about how, you know, it's the body's intelligence. 
when you are going through certain situations and scenarios, you're, you do what you got to do to get by and get through it. But your body will still carry that, whether you know it up here or not. And so I think the toughest part of my journey has been getting past that automatic reaction and finding out what's, what's paranoia. Because there would be times I would think like, oh, this thing is happening over here. Right. And I would think it was like an intuitive sense that something bad was going to happen, but it wasn't at all. It was like all knee-jerk reaction based off of past circumstances. And it would really trip me up. And so just that's one of those things I think to, to keep in mind. I, I started um, learning a, uh, an exercise from David Berselli. And he's a, he's a therapist and he worked a lot in, in war zones. And there was a, a particular time where he was stuck in this basement while there was bombing going around them for like two weeks. And he noticed um, how all these people that were stuck in the basement with him, like when the bombs would hit, they would all have the same reaction at the same time. Like the bodies would do, like he said, almost like they rehearsed it. Mm. And then they would go into the shaking. So the body would just start shaking. And he started thinking about the mechanism of shaking. Like, why is it that our bodies shake when, when we're going through these traumatic experiences? And so he thought, well, there's a mechanism where our body is trying to get us to release and not to hold on to things. So he developed this series of exercises, I think TRE, um, tension or trauma release exercise. And it's very simple. It's free to anyone to do. And you do this 20 minutes of exercise, you get your muscles at a seven out of 10 on your tension scale and your body will just go. It's the weirdest thing. And there's no thought process involved and your, your legs and your hips will just resolve and sh just shake things out. It's really, really bizarre. So it just, to me showed that we, we hang on to stuff. And, and I think that's, that's, a hard thing for people to get past and to get to these levels where you can be more emotionally intelligent, you know, get, get past some of those old, that old wiring. Um, one of the things that I came to understand is uh, people that get into survival mode, you overdevelop the upper energy centers. So you might become hyper aware. Mm. So you can have people that are like hyper responsive and hyper aware. So that allowed me to be able to read people pretty well, read situations, become more intuitive, but it also has been challenging to get the rest of me together and to even that all out. Mm -hmm. I recommend jujitsu. Yeah, I, I, I've <laughs> actually thought about it. And I've, I've thought about it in the past. I, I haven't pulled the trigger. I mean, uh, physical exercise has been uh, a huge part of, of my process, you know, and getting into the body, you know, um, I did CrossFit for a time. I played roller derby for a time. Um, I haven't been so great about it lately, but, but yeah, I think, um, any sort of, um, physical exercise can also build that, that connection with the body. Mm-hmm getting yeah. into the body for sure marcus um anything 
Well, as far as emotional intelligence, I, I can certainly say, and this isn't the hardest or the easiest thing to admit, but the most intelligent words I think I know are, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And before you can even get there, you have to admit it to yourself. So that's, that's really helped me not be a uh, reactive person. And it's helped me get to more of an objective reasoning and uh, driven me to find out facts or, or details about a subject before I form my own opinion about them. I'll tell you what, though, it's interesting. Like, I think Marcus and I are, are a good example of our, our friend group. It's, it's like, I don't know. Once you do start thinking a certain way, you, you can't really go back fully. Um, and it, 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 it follows you around where you go. I don't Pandora's know. box. What is Pandora's box? Uh, it's a, it, it was a box full of uh, demons or monsters. Uh, and, and that can't be closed again. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I don't know why I, I relate to like dark, dark things. I like that. I like demons. and Because and... you studied Jordan Peterson for so long and, and it's very tender <laughs> shadow and all those things. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. It's funny. I don't know the, the not knowing thing. I love that too. I mean, I never know what's going to happen when I go, when I go into something, even like a client session. I, if you, if a client asks me like, okay, so what are we going to do? <laughs> I have no idea what we're going to do, but we're going to figure it out as we go. <laughs> And uh, just like every episode on this show, it's like, well, what are we going to really do? And it's like, I don't know, but we're going to start talking. And as we started talking, I realized how, how foundational emotional intelligence is. I didn't, I didn't, I thought it was like, I kind of thought it was just a, an attribute, but it's not an attribute. It's like a fundamental, it's like the like your interface with the world. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So if that's skewed somehow, well, no, if however it is, will be how you are. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, man. direct correlation to how you react to everything. Right, right, right. Everything. Yeah. You find your people based on emotional intelligence, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> man yep that's that's pretty crazy so i was so i think the marcus like what i was saying about the friend group thing is like you know when i go to a and i don't go to parties but we were just at a three-day wedding with our, one of our <laughs> friends who was getting married and um you Shout know out adam yeah god bless you adam and julie i don't think they listen to the show but <laughs> i don't blame them um I don't know. It's like, Marcus, do you feel like you, like, I'm just being honest here. Like, I don't mix well when we all get together and like we're drinking and stuff. And it's just like, I don't know. That's why I started doing jujitsu with Jake, like in a, in a thousand dollar suit. It's like, you know, I, I'm going to be over here doing jujitsu. <laughs> I don't know. It, more often than not, it is a uncomfortable feeling, but that may have to do just with my personality type. Um, I'm, I'm not certain what exactly it is. 
Well, no, I remember like when we back in the day, like I remember back in the day, you know, when we when you were around, you know, people at your place at your house, it's like we, you end up because you're a conversationalist. So you end up having a conversation. But in certain friend groups, there's no conversation. It's like. Oh, antics. Yeah. Yeah. It's like antics and jokes and stuff. And it's like no one's ever talking about anything meaningful. When when I when I approached a, an old buddy of mine who I grew up with, I haven't seen him in 15 years. He didn't want to talk to me. He was like, it was funny. We were laughing about it, but he was like. I said, Hey, how's it going? And, and I was like, so, you know, how's your life? What do you think about life? What's going on? And, and he was like, Oh no, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not getting started with that. I know, I know your reputation. I know what you do. And, I was like, <laughs> and then, you know, me and, and, uh, uh, Jake and, and, uh, his wife, Mary, right. Yes. Yeah, she, we started to laugh because it was like, no, nah, I wasn't trying to psychoanalyze you. I was just saying hi. It's been a long time. <laughs> and I thought hi was the best way to bridge that gap. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, you know, started with simple things. And I was like, how's your dad? And he was like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to know how your dad was. And he's like, nope not going there and then i was like i like your shirt <laughs> like what is the level what a value that i can give that kind of makes a conversation for you and it, it never happened he was just like nope and um you know that makes me think about about marcus and that makes me think about like alternative news sources and once you start learning things and believing in certain things it just carries it just goes with you yeah it just goes with you and, and you can't shake it i think you can't shake it when i was a young man a lot of these questions probably would have threatened my subjective sense of self mm -hmm. and uh, i wasn't intelligent enough to handle that so maybe um, that's a reason why i was so willing to start lying to myself well, and I'm, it's a, it's, I'm, yeah, it's just an uncomfortable place to be to have to change your mind. It when, is when provoked. Helena makes me change my mind every twenty seconds. I, I'm, I'm, I thought I knew how to do laundry. Um, <laughs> I don't. Every time I think I get it, nope. This doesn't go in here, dumb dumb. <laughs> No, she's great. I like to joke, but we're on the same team. Um, <laughs> and and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I'm really proud of you, Marcus. Marcus, uh, quit smoking pot. And and I know. Oh no, yeah. We don't talk about pot on the show. I'm not against it, but I'm not for like like our friend group, like you know, and they're part of this culture now that they maintain and that's what i used to do is maintain is like being sober is the new high and being high is the new sober and i don't think that's good i really don't 
I didn't like that was the one downside to seeing everyone again. I don't like seeing everyone smoke constantly um, as a way to feel better, as a way to feel normal. I remember those days, you know, uh, and once you quit, it's like, wow, the world is a great place to be there for. And I don't know. That's another episode, but um, I don't know. How it's do an you, easy way to challenge myself. How, how are you liking that, Marcus? Like, how does it feel? Uh, well, uh, the clarity of thought is, is certainly easier. Um, the dreams are getting intense. Uh, but it's, it's a much more comfortable place to be. And, and I think it's our nature to seek adventure. And I am certainly more prepared to face this world with, with clarity of mind than, than I was uh, smoking marijuana. For sure. Like I see people that are high. I can look at someone and I know that they're high. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of, I, I judge. We all judge, right? I judge everything. Judging is also how we interact with the reality. And, and I'm like, you know, that puts that person in a certain category for me, you know? Um, I don't know. Yeah. So I was just, I was going to say, then you, you know how to emotionally like react to a person like that. Like that's how emotional intelligence plays into this too. Like, like if you judge somebody like that, you're going to treat them differently than say somebody that's not high, obviously, or something yeah, I would definitely treat someone on a substance differently than yeah. someone wasn't. And that's that's true for people on anything. Right. That's true for myself. I mean, when I'm on something, if I'm drinking, you know, yeah. um, if I see someone at a bar who's had like a row of shots in front of them, I'm not going to treat them the same way I would someone who is drinking uh, water. Like... Exactly. You know, this person is now, you know, at a certain, at another level. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, see, the difference here, I think, is inferior and superior. I don't mean to, I don't judge people on an inferior or superior level, of course, because I believe in the soul. Um, the, I, I judge people based on good decisions, uh, uh, inferior decisions, not personality or, or, or character, but, but decision-making. And, um, I just, um, yeah, I, I wish, um, people who are, were, have been high for the last 10 years can, should, I think should try being sober for a while. And, and I just don't think it looks, I don't know. I don't think it bodes well for someone. But then again, this is a whole new thing, right? Like the weed is legalized now and all that. And it only took weed being legalized for me to quit. <laughs> you... I was just going to say there's, you know, it, it, and that can become a coping mechanism just like anything else. So whether it be small pot? Cell, cell phone or pot or overeating, like a lot of times that you know, it's just taking in more stimulus and oftentimes taking in that stimulus is so you don't have to be, you know, I think a lot of people don't like to be alone with their own thoughts. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I, have you ever been in a situation mm -hmm. in like a quiet room or a quiet car with people that you don't know? Yeah. Like, to me, it's not a big deal. I'm just like, whatever, it's quiet. But like, some people are just like, oh my God, you got to turn on the radio or I'm going to lose it. You yeah. know, 
And yeah. I think like yeah. those, you know, like marijuana, like overuse or, or, you know, all these different, you know, cell phones, they can just be mechanisms of, of numbing and just quieting like those inner discomforts. For sure. For yeah. sure. You know, in terms of, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, sometimes those quiet rooms are the loudest place I can put myself. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. That's very poetic, Marcus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, just going to say, like, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. No, I was going to say kudos to Marcus because I, I smoked weed for a little while when I got out of the monastery. And I liked it. It was fun. It was like something to do. But like after I stopped, like that clarity that you spoke of is it's it's amazing. Like like what that clarity is, and like you don't know it unless like you know it, you know. <laughs> like, you don't it, know unless you know it. That's true. Yeah, That's it true. was it was it was really cool. So yeah, I like kudos, man, for doing that. That's a thank you. It's a yeah, I I know that feeling. So it's, mm. yeah. And I'm not saying that I think marijuana is bad. It certainly has its place in this world. Yeah, That's, I don't think it's bad at all. I, I, it has its place for sure. I don't think alcohol is bad, but I think it can go to a level to where it is bad and like anything, right? Balancing uh, use. Yep. Yeah. Well, guys, um, I think shum kashum here. We've reached the uh, the zenith of the conversation, and, and <laughs> I also have a client session in 15 minutes. So um, I think we're going to cut the panel there, and I don't know. It was, was wonderful speaking to you. That was fun. Marcus, I wish yeah, if you didn't, we, we miss we lost some time with the connection thing, but uh, we'll have to get you back on and and and, and hear Marcus's story. That would be great. Yeah, I'd love to anytime, guys. Let me know. What, Mar uh, Rokas, what did you say? And hear Marcus's story. Oh, yeah. We'll have a one on one <laughs> with, with, with Marcus. That would be good. That would be good. All right. Um, Next week, I think we have, uh, we have, do we have something lined up for next week? Not from my end. Um, I think I had something, but I forgot what it was. Too much pot. Sorry. I've been smoking all morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't smoke. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, uh, thank you everyone for being a part of this and helping. That helped me a lot. Like I'm going to start talking about emotional intelligence every day now. Yeah. Thanks um, for having us on. Yeah, for sure, man. Marcus, it was nice to meet you. Hopefully uh, get to talk to you more at some point. It was a pleasure. It was my pleasure. Thank you guys. <laughs> so, and um, yeah, thank you guys. And, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. See you on again. Rokas, thank you. Thank you both for so on. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah. Next right, Rokas, Rokas, can you stay? We'll do it. We'll do an outro okay. real quick. Sure. So I just wanted to thank all the listeners for listening to the show and uh, being a part of this. We've been getting some great feedback from listeners. Rokas and I receive messages from time to time, and uh, it's a big upliftment and it helps us keep going. Um, and uh, so. If you want to reach us, we are available, our emails, our social media, whatever. Just find us, and uh, we would love to hear your feedback or show topics or if you want to be on the show for some reason. That, let's talk about doing that. Everything is Your Fault is going to be available in 60 days on Amazon.com and bookstores around the world. 
Uh, we appreciate your support. For those that have purchased it already, I just found out from the publisher that we reached our goal of pre-sale orders of 506 copies. Our goal was 501. So thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate that. Everything is your fault uh, ended up going out to like 14 different countries. So pretty crazy. Um, I get people in like Thailand and Brazil and all kinds of places that are like, hey, got your book. Love it. That's pretty cool. And um, Zen Mind Academy is our nonprofit where we teach people um, from uh, youth to middle aged um, and whoever really, but the nonprofit stipulates kind of youth that um, we can kind of help you with purpose and meaning in life through our resources online and um, our retreats and events that we'll be picking up as soon as kind of the whole pandemic thing washes away. Um, and we have a retreat coming up in August. Our show notes have a link for information on that for Big Bear Lake, California. Um, and Rokas is going to that. He's going to, you're going to yep. get some tickets and fly out here. If everything works out with the, yeah. where that in the UK, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying for sure. Looking forward to it. Just hoping COVID doesn't get in the way. Yeah. And if it does, I mean, you're welcome to just stay at my house for a week. <laughs> awesome. But I'm not sure. I mean, I won't be able to fly Flying over if general? COVID does get over. Well, yeah. we'll send a plane. Don't worry. I'll okay, great. Yeah, cool. <laughs> From NASA, just send me a space. Hey, yeah. I'll get a That's NASA nice. plane. <laughs> and uh, Rogas, any closing thoughts from you? Um, just grateful to to be doing this. Uh, gives me meaning. Yeah, gratitude is good. Next week we should talk about gratitude somehow. Oh, next week we'll we'll cover the topic on uh, that that Davey sent. Uh, okay. I'm focused and oh, and time, energy management, stuff like that. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye.